Welcome to Veteran State of Mind. I'm your host, Garen Jones. Very glad to be with you today, guys. Got an absolutely fantastic guest. Somehow, we have managed to go 76 episodes of the podcast without having a Navy SEAL on. Um, but we've got our first one on today, and uh, he is an absolute hell of a bloke. Um, it's one of those episodes, we've had a few of these, where you see somebody online, you hear the stories, and this is one of them. Um, you guys might be familiar of a video that came out of Syria where there's a few uh, a few Americans behind a Iraqi army tank. Um, one of the Americans runs out, grabs a grabs uh, a, a young girl that was um, under fire from ISIS snipers. Well, they're all under fire from ISIS snipers, and um, there's a couple of guys at the back of the vehicle uh, giving covering fire on AKs. And then as they're retreating, one of the guys gets um, shot through the leg. Um, and I've seen those videos a bunch of times. Um, and the guy that got shot through the leg, his name is Ephraim. He's joining us on the podcast today. Uh, he's the author of a book called City of Death, um, which I highly recommend. I've been going through the audio book. Um, it's narrated by Ephraim himself, and he does a really good job of it. Um, so I'll link that up. I'll put a direct link that to. I'll put the audible link uh, at, the, at the end of the podcast. Um, sorry, in the show notes of the podcast. So you can just click straight through to that. I highly recommend um, the audiobook. Please do support the guests that we have on the podcast because obviously they're giving up their time to be here, you know, giving up a couple of hours. Um, and um, I think it's the least we can do to go out and pick up a book. Uh, definitely follow them on social media. I'll tag all that up in the show notes just to make it easier. Um, I want to say thank you as well to Combat Fuel for sponsoring today's podcast. Um, I've been using their vegan protein for a while now, and we've had a we've had a chat, and they're going to sponsor the podcast. So Combat Fuel, welcome to uh, the podcast. Um, I'll tell you why I'm using vegan fuel, guys. I do eat meat, um, and I do eat dairy products, so I am not a vegan. I also wear leather jackets, so. Um, I'd be burnt at a steak. I'd be for, for being a terrible vegan. And that wasn't a joke about steaks. Um, the reason I use vegan protein is because um, I am what you call humanitarian, a bit like Ephraim, and I do not believe in uh, stinky farts and for, for filling a room full of them. And so I switched to vegan protein a couple of years ago now. Uh, i got to say this salted caramel one from... Um, Salted caramel vegan protein from Combat Fuel is probably the best tasting. It mixes really well. Um, what I do as well is I mix it up with a bit of almond milk and it make you you basically turn it into a mousse. Put about 100 mils in with a scoop and uh, get yourself a nice little mousse and I find that really quite filling. Or after I've had a good workout, I'll put some protein in with a couple of bananas, maybe a bit of peanut butter too. Mix that all up with some ice and have an essence shake. So check them out over at Combat Fuel. Again, they're tagged up in the show notes. Um... And without further ado, guys, I, I just want to get straight to it because, honestly, I think, like as I always say, every guest we've had on this podcast is impressive. They wouldn't be here otherwise. But there's certain blokes you come across and you think, God, this bloke is, is a fucking good bloke, this is. And uh, Ephraim is just one of those guys. So please give a warm welcome to Mr. Ephraim Matos. Ephraim, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thanks for coming. Well, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Mate, uh, we've been looking forward to this one for a while, or at least I have. Um, I'm not sure about the listeners. <laughs> they don't get they don't get to have a say in these things. Um, but yeah, we were supposed to uh, get together when I was out in the States, but coronavirus happened. You fucked your back up or something as well, didn't it? It was, it was something like that. I did. I did. Yeah. Dude, and get this. I just found out um, about about a month ago, uh, three, four weeks ago, that I actually have, I have a compression fracture in my spine from, uh, from a bad parachute landing that happened to you years ago and it's just gotten worse and worse over time and i found out that the back issue was actually a compression fracture so that's been that's been a 
uh, its own its own beast that I'm trying to uh, you know make peace with and try and figure out how to how to move on with. <laughs> well, we'll talk some more about um, buds in a bit, but is this the same injury that you picked up at, uh, at buds? No, I actually had. It's actually not. I had um, a lower back injury in buds, and then this was a totally separate uh, back injury. You know, months later uh, when we were doing uh, parachute uh, operations, you need to start doing some more yoga classes, mate. Well, dude, honestly, that's the only reason I was able to function after, oh, really? after buds and my first, yeah, my first, uh, you know, back injury. Yeah. That, uh, that, that you were talking about with buds. Um, yeah, man, I would, I would just go on my own and go do hot yoga. Um, and that was like the only reason I could function was, uh, yeah, it, cause it just helped to realign my spine and everything. Sweet. Well, well, we'll come back and talk about that, mate, but let's take it back to the beginning. Um, your name, you've got an Old Testament name. So is your brother, and I can't remember how to pronounce his. Can you, what, what's your brother's name? Because that, that, that name was badass. <laughs> yeah, my, my brother's name is Zebulon. Zebulon, that's sick. Yeah, um, which is cool. And you, you're, from, uh, you're from Wisconsin in the United States. Yep, yep. Um, I, I was born on the west coast of the United States in Washington. I was actually born on, a, uh, on an army hospital because um, my dad was in the military at the time. He wasn't in the army. He was in the Air Force. But um, yes, yeah, so I was born... Um, on a, on a military base in Washington, and then, but but I spent my entire childhood in Wisconsin. I don't even have memories of, of Washington State. So yeah, um, Midwestern uh, through and through. <laughs> so so what for our British listeners then? What is your what is your prototypical Midwestern life like as a, as a child? Well, okay, so so we have this phrase here in the, in the states we call we call um, you know all 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 the. Uh, most activity and stuff happens on the coasts, right? It ha- everything happens in either New York or Los Angeles, and everything in the in, in the middle. Uh, a lot of people refer to as the flyover states. Those are just the states where, um, you know, uh, people they just fly over them when they're going between New York and Los Angeles. <laughs> so it's it's not a super happening place. It's a it's a much more simple way of life. Um, things are a lot slower. And people are a lot um, nicer. <laughs> That's a very common thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just good old um, salt of the earth uh, kind of people. And I, yeah, I grew up in in Wisconsin. I grew up in a in a city though, so it's not like I was out in the you know in the cornfields or whatever. Uh, growing up, I was definitely not a country boy. But uh, yeah, it was just a it was a it's a, a good simple. Um, you know, balanced life, you know, uh, everybody, everybody's very blue collar, you know, you work your nine to five job and you try to, you try to, you know, get a house in the suburbs and you mm. just, yeah, just live a simple life. And you're from a pretty religious family. Yeah. So when I was growing up, um, I was actually, uh, you know, we were part of a fundamentalist, uh, Christian, uh, group. And, um, I know, I know that sounds a little crazy. It wasn't, it really wasn't that crazy. They were just, it was just you get a suicide vest. No, 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 no. Um, but that's actually funny though, because it's like, I kind of understand like where, where, you know, extremists are coming from. Cause it's like, I, I remember growing up and being, you know, uh, indoctrinated in one way of thinking. Um, but no, like very good folks, very good people. Um, it was, it was, there was just a lot of rules there was, especially on, on, on the kids, you know? So like, there's no drinking, obviously no smoking. Uh, you couldn't date when you were in high school. Um, there was no rock music. Um, you couldn't go to movie theaters. So just a lot of stuff like that. But, um, so, but, but one of the things that was actually really good about it though, was there was a big influence or, or, um, there was a big push to, you know, serve and help others. That was one of the big things that mm. was really instilled in me throughout my entire childhood. Um, I spent a lot of my time. So actually, so I, I live in the city of Milwaukee and uh, Milwaukee is one of the most um, segregated 
uh, uh, cities in America racially. I mean, you, you, you literally just cross a certain street and it's all white people and you cross another street and it's all black people and you cross another street mm-hmm. and it's all, uh, you know, Mexicans. And, you know, because of that though, I, you know, I, I was where, where I would always go do ministry work was always in the, um, in the poorest neighborhoood. So I got to what, what's ministry work. Man? Um, ministry work was just like, um, you know, helping people out and, you know, inviting them to church and, and things like that. So every Saturday, during my entire childhood, I would actually go into the the ghettos of Milwaukee and you would just, you know, make friends with the other, uh, you know, kids and teenagers there. And then you'd invite them to church and they would, you know, come to church. It gives them a chance to, um, you know, to escape their, uh, you know, to escape their situation for a few hours. And, you know, they get to go to a place where, hey, you know, hey, you're loved. We care about you. You know, um, here's some, maybe here's some um, teachings and, and some thoughts on how you can live a better life. And, um, you know, it was, so it was good. I got to see, you know, by no stretch of the imagination was like, did I come from a rich family at all? Uh, we were very like lower middle-class, you know, sometimes barely had, you know, enough food in the, in the, in the cupboards to feed everybody. Um, but I had a very close tight knit family and, when I went into these, you know, uh, into the ghetto, I would, you know, I was going on Saturday mornings. And so I would see the parents of some of these kids, you know, passed out on the floor, still hung over, um, still on drugs. The kids are, you know, getting up and dressing themselves and they haven't showered and there's cockroaches in the, in the houses. And, you know, they're, and they're, they're living a, a very, very different life than mine. And there was a, a big, and so I guess that was a very good, um, eye-opening and formative experience for me through my entire for, through my entire childhood to realize, hey, you want to what? Other people don't have it the way that I have it, and that's that doesn't mean that they're evil or bad or anything like that. It's like, hey, we all need to help each other mm-hmm. out. And you know, there's obviously a bunch of different, you know, okay, what's what's the reason why 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 is there the segregation and why is there the inequality and all that stuff and you know that's you know that's political cultural stuff and there's you know but the point is we all just need to help each other out and help each other up and the way that I see the world is not the way that somebody else sees the world and what we need to do is you know find our commonalities and you know work together to um, to give to those who are to have to, to give to those who have less than us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so yeah, anyway, that was, that was, uh, I would guess that was pretty much my childhood. Um, yeah, sort of very, very religious focused. Sounds like there's worse ways to spend it though, mate. Oh, I had a great childhood. Yeah, absolutely. What's the kind of, um, really like in that, in that kind of religious context then is, is, was like sporting, um, were you allowed to take part in sports and team games and those kind of things? Oh yeah, actually. Um, so uh, basketball is very big in the Midwest, basketball and football. Mm. Uh, we didn't have, so I went to a school that had literally 35 kids in the entire school because oh. uh, it was based just out of the church. And that 30, those 35 kids were kindergarten all the way through, you know, 12th grade. That's not enough for a football team. <laughs> no, you don't have enough. I had one other guy in my grade growing up and nice. three girls. So there was the five of us. That's a good ratio though. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. So actually the, the church that I went to, um, where we met and, and, and where the actual church itself was, was actually on this huge, beautiful basketball court. So we had these big mm-hmm. mats that we would kind of pull up, uh, you know, covering this big, beautiful basketball court. And we would crank the uh, basketball hoops up to the roof. And, um, 
yeah, it was, it was really cool. And then, so when it was time to play basketball, we just pull all the chairs and everything to the side. It would take, you know, maybe half an hour to stack up all the chairs and move everything to the sides. And the walls were actually bleachers. So we transformed the, the, the church space into, uh, this beautiful full court basketball court. And, uh, yeah, we would play that. We'd play basketball all the time. We'd also play soccer, um, or as you guys would say, football, um, but yeah, so I you know we got I got I got to say I got to play uh, tons of sports growing up. When you're in a class, then so in your grade, like a grade is class school year, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got two guys, three girls. Does that mean your class size is five people? You're getting one teacher for five kids. Um, well, what they would do is they would actually they would usually combine uh, two different grades for for a lot of things. Okay. So, for example, like history classes and stuff like that, you'd have you know the seventh and eighth graders would both be in the same class. And then you, they would just sort of swap the um, the curriculum, you know, uh, each year kind of right. thing. So that way you're not obviously getting the same class twice over. So, I mean, I would say average class size was maybe um, at most uh, 10 or 11. Wow. Yeah. So that, I mean, so you got like a lot of individual attention from a teacher there. Oh, yeah. Tons of it. Yeah. There was there was no hiding in the back of the class. There was none of that. <laughs> but yeah, we were like this, you know, it was like a really cool. Uh, yeah. Just kind of a tight knit community. Um, yeah, so we got direct, um, attention from the teachers. If you didn't know what was going on or, you know, there was no way to hide and just kind of be like, oh, I don't know what's going on. You got, yeah, lots of, lots of attention from, uh, and from did it have quite a religious, uh, like, a was there like a religious theme to the, to the lessons or how did that work? Um, not, not like, not the, uh, history or the science or the, um, you know, math or, or the English or any, or any of the stuff like that, but we did have, um, specific, like, uh, I guess like, I don't know how to describe them. I would call them, you know, we, we basically would have like a Bible class as well. Mm-hmm. That was one of our sort of elective type classes. And so you would, you know, you'd go through the Bible and they would talk about, but they would, they would make it practical. Like here's, you know, um, you know, some Christian books that people have written about how to develop character and how to, how does that apply to, you know, the Bible and, and things like that. Um, or biblical history and, 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 and whatnot. So, um, and then also at the beginning of every single class, we would, there was always a, uh, a verse of the week. And so uh, that you would get tested on at the end of the week. Mm. So every class you would always, uh, get up, you'd quote the Bible verse or read the Bible verse. And then, um, you would, you'd, uh, you know, start your class. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, dude, like I come across like a lot of quotes flying around from the Bible and things. It seems in, in some ways, it's almost like the original self-help book in a lot of the ways, you know, like when you're talking about building character and stuff, there's a lot of great, mm-hmm. you know, I think people are, instead of looking at the Bible and saying like, whether or not, in, you know, instead of saying like, look, are there is there lessons in here for everybody? People go, oh, I just don't believe that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't matter if you don't need to believe in everything in it that happened because of God or or, or Jesus or any of that. But there's fucking good lessons in it regardless. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the stories in there are, you know, useful. And whether you, you know, whether you believe that, you know, some of the more mystical versions of them are, are accurate, you know, was there an angel talking to this person or whatever, you know, like, I think one of the, one of the best things about the, 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 the Bible and, and, and to be clear, like, I'm not um, particularly religious anymore. Like, I don't go to church. I don't like, you know, read my Bible every day or anything like that. Um but yeah, but just in general, just objectively, like the Bible has a lot of really, really great stories uh, and it's about human nature. I kind of think of it as, as like, um, okay, think, think of it like this. Think of it like Game of Thrones, right? Um, Game mm. of Thrones is basically um, the Old Testament of the Bible and I guess even like New Testament. I mean, there are swords and people are slaughtering each other and there's all kinds of ridiculous things happening. 
Um, and you, you can learn from that. It doesn't mean you have to believe it. You know, you don't have to believe that there's dragons or whatever. Um, I'm from Wales, mate. We have a dragon on our flag. They're definitely real. Oh, that's awesome. I've seen them coming out of a bar at three o'clock in the morning. They definitely <laughs> exist. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, there's lots of good stuff you can learn from it. Yeah. And um, also Game of Thrones last season. What did you think? What was your opinion? Let's get let's get that out of the way. <laughs> I, man, I was, I was honestly, I, you know, it's actually funny. I just rewatched, um, over this last like month or two, cause I've obviously lots of downtime, um, with, uh, you know, uh, quarantine in my back and everything. So, um, yeah, I, I watched pretty much the entire show all over again and I, I was okay with the last season. I just didn't like how they, how they ended it. It was kind of like, um, you know, we, we, we all are like, we're all used to seeing, we're, we're all, we all watch the show for the shock value. You know, we all watch yeah. the show. Cause it's like, okay, who's going to die today? Like which, which of my fa- favorite characters is going to die in this episode, you know? Um, and then it was like, Oh, Bran, Bran the broken is now the King. And it was like, ah, someone would have just murdered him 20 seconds later and taken the crown off him. Exactly. It's like, it's like the whole thing was about people killing each other. It's like, right. We've got these badass armies. Oh, no, fuck it. I want the crown. And it's like, oh, the guy, the crippled guy in the chair. Yeah, sound. All right, we'll bend to that decision. No, someone just stood up and stabbed him in the face. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think that's a that's a good call. Probably, you know, you have this guy with lots of knowledge and, you know, uh, who understands history and everything. But. You know, that's, I don't know. Since when do we listen to anyone that understands history? That's They're the last people we listen to. <laughs> the other thing as well, mate, yeah. is that a little fucker, what's his name? Um, that little one. He just, Varus just gets fucking torched by a dragon and he's just like, oh, well, Varus is gone. Hang on a minute. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he just skates on it. I'm like, no, sorry, mate. You fucking, you little snitches get fucking ditches and you fucking snitched on Varus and walk away with it. Yeah. Oh, mate. And I, mate, I'm, I have this thing where I'm like, I really don't like to criticize anybody else's work because it's like, I always think that that's just like a shitty thing to do. Right. So I'm not criticizing that season of Game of Thrones at all. I'm criticizing the actions of the characters because they seem almost like they've transcended art and became real people in the earlier seasons. <laughs> so I feel like I'm criticizing more real people oh, than I, I am the work, the work of the producers. That's just my nice caveat for me slagging off <laughs> of the last season. Um, so get back to getting back to school and stuff then, mate. When you were in school then, what was the kind of the expectations? Because we all have it. we got a lot of young listeners here. We all have it when we're growing up that family have expectations for you and communities have expectations for you. What was the community and family expectations on what you would do when you finished school? Yeah, the 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 expectation was that you would go to Bible college, some sort of, you know, seminary or uh, Bible college. And the idea was that you would, the, the highest ideal, the highest sort of, thing that you could aspire to be would be like uh, a pastor or a missionary. And so that's, I mean, that, I mean, and if you didn't do those things, that was fine, but it was kind of like, oh, you're not really living up to your potential. You've been given this great opportunity to, you know, to, to go do great things and yeah, in, in the ministry. And, and if you don't do that, you're kind of like wasting your, your, your talent and all the training and everything that you've gotten. Um, so there was definitely a lot of pressure to do that. And I, and I know tons and tons of kids who the, the problem with that though, with that sort of black and white cut and dry mentality was that you would have kids either go and spend years of their life 
you know, going to Bible college or something, even though they weren't interested in it, because they were just trying to do the right thing. They were like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. And so then they end up wasting years of their life or getting stuck into some kind of, you know, uninteresting, uninspired life because they would either, you know, because they're trying to do the right thing. But on the, on the flip side of that, some people were like, I'm not going to go to Bible college. I don't want to be a pastor. And so then the thought was, I must be a bad person. And so then they would, you know, just go off the deep end and like get into like drugs and alcohol, like alcoholism and just, you know, just there was, there was never like a balance like, Hey, you know, just, you know, go to church and, you know, go be an architect. That's cool. You know, that was never, that was never talked about. It was always, well, if you're not a pastor, then you're not living up to your expectation, not living up to your potential. And so people would just kind of, uh, you know, go run the opposite direction. Unfortunately, yeah, it's such a, it's, it's like so many things in life. We if we could just meet in the middle on things, mm-hmm. like life would be so much greater for us. It's like, you know, like there's so many like the church. In some respects, there's a lot of great work. You know, like the a lot of the people that kind of come out of the church as missionaries, and like there's a you know like the framework, the commandments is a great framework for living people living their life. But then there's people that take too far, and it's like, well, if you're a homosexual, you're going to fucking hell, and all. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, like, <laughs> why does that need to be the case? And it just seems something in human nature is like we take these great ideas, and then it's just we then we for, we force them, we force them on people. We don't recognize that people have free will, and mm-hmm. you're you're what I would call a questioner. That's your you know your personality is you're a, you're a questioner, and that doesn't really go too well with religion, does it? No, it, it, it really didn't. Um, but, you know, to, 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 I guess, comment on, on your first point about people taking stuff, you know, too far. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's definitely um, what I saw and what I experienced was it was good people trying to do good things, but then they mm-hmm. would just take it too far because everything had to be black and white and there was no sort of balance in the middle. And there was no, hey, uh, you know, you need to question things. I dude, I actually remember um, and I totally forgot about this, um, but I actually remember them saying that an open mind is a bad thing. Wow. I remember hearing that multiple times as a kid and it was, it was having an open mind is a bad thing because that's, you know, opportunity for the devil to fill your mind with, you know, ideas that aren't true. And, you know, you know, and, and they, they meant well, the people who said that stuff, even though it's completely ridiculous, like they meant well, but, um, it, yeah, you're absolutely right. I ended up, you know, I was very much a questioner and, you know, you mentioned, okay, like the, the extreme judgments against people who might be homosexual or whatever else. And it's like, you can have a moral code without, I I guess, discriminating and without, um, attacking other people. And, you know, and, and that's what church is supposed to be for. Church is supposed to be the place where the drunkard comes in and is like, hey, man, I need to get my life together mm-hmm. so I can take care of my kids. And they, the church should be the most accepting, loving place for you to go. You know, it's it's like the hospital, right? Like sick people go to the hospital. <laughs> that's that's what you're there. You're there to heal. And that's what church should be. It should be, um, you know, a thing a, and, and a place for people to go and heal and to be accepted, whatever their flaws are. You know, okay, so somebody's, you know, I guess, according to like, you know, biblical ideas, okay, your, your immorality, according to their view might be like, okay, homosexuality. Well, you have immorality too. You're a glutton, you know, (laughs) you're, you're obese, uh, or, you know, uh, you smoke, or you have issues too, or you have a porn problem, you know, or whatever it might be. Nobody's perfect. Exactly. And you can't, you can't, I mean, there is, there is a, there is a point where you have to have a sense of morality. You have to have a sense of right and wrong. You do have to have a line in the sand, but there needs to always be 
acceptance and love for people that are different than you and who are struggling with different things that are, you know, they're, they're not evil because their struggles are different than your struggles. They're just human. No, that's a great point, dude. The gluttony is a great one, man, because like, I am a big believer people should do exercise every day. But if you don't mm -hmm. do exercise every day, I don't think you're going to hell. Like, you're not right, going to burn right. for that. And if you want to <laughs> exercise every day, I'm going to encourage you to do it. Like, but like, um, and, and it's the, the open mind one. And this is the problem with how the problem with having an open mind is you then begin to question everything. So when I hear about an organization that's saying, right, we don't think it's a good thing for you to have an open mind. I think, well, that's because one of you realize that down the line somewhere that if people start asking questions, this is going to unravel pretty quickly. So let's stamp, so let's stamp that out. <laughs> and then once you've had, cause someone had to have an open mind to realize that was going to be a potential issue. So then, so then you insert that in the message of it's a bad thing. And then people always assume people have got good intentions at heart, unless you question things. So then it just becomes, it's like, well, why can't I question things? Oh, because it's bad that lets the devil in. Well, who said that? You know what I mean? That's the next question. So probably some cardinal who was fucking a wench exactly. fucking 500 years ago. And he was like, uh, people are like, cardinal, we've seen these, a lot of these girls coming out of your chamber. No, no, asking questions is bad. You know, that, that, that's absolutely true. And, and a lot of the stuff that I was, you know, you know, cause obviously, you know, I, I ended up leaving that, you know, at the age of like 16. Um, but the reason for that was because I just saw what they were teaching. And then I would look at the Bible and I'd be like, Jesus didn't say that. Mm. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Or, or they would take some obscure verse from the Old Testament. And it was like, um, I'm not going to listen to that Old Testament stuff anymore because the chapter before, you know, God said such and such. He also told them to wipe out every man, man, woman and child and, and animal in these in these different, you know, uh, places where the Israelites were, you know, going into. You know, Old Testament, that's 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 not OK now. You know what I mean? And so it's like, dude, those guys are like ISIS. You know, at one point you're going in and you're killing all the men, women and kids in a, in a city and you're taking it over like that's full on evil. But God was telling you to do that in the Old Testament. Again, that's Old Testament. It's not New Testament. And so I just remember being like, guys, I'm, I'm honestly not too interested in hearing about anything in the Old Testament. It's like, okay, what's in the New Testament? What did Jesus say? Hey, love one another, forgive one another, render under Caesar that which is Caesar's, right? The golden rule. And it's like, oh, okay, love your enemies. I'm like what? You know, that's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's, that's the truth. And that's what I want to live my life by, you know, and we can argue about, oh, was he born of a virgin? Did he rise again three days later? And it's like, you want to know that, dude? I don't know. Um, I, I doubt it, but I mean, yeah, you know, things can happen. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't there, but you know, it's like, but that shouldn't, whether, whether that happened or didn't happen, it's like, no, no, no. Listen to what he said. Love your enemy. What? Like that's powerful. We had Stephen Pressfield on the other day, and um, oh, I love his books. He's he's amazing. Yeah, he's he's fantastic, bro. I was told I totally oh, found yeah. <laughs> Um And we had uh, well, dude, I've I've been like I've been reading his stuff for twenty two years. Amazing. So I mean, I, I've never I've never waited so long for conversation in my life, and it did not disappoint. He's an absolute legend. Um, but one of the things he says in the Warrior Ethos is that you know a, a warrior, you know, respects you know respects his enemy, and that you know respect. That's love. You can make the argument that respect and love are the same things. And, hmm. you know, we've been too quick to hate our enemies for good reason. Don't get me wrong. There's reasons behind it. But once you start dehumanizing an enemy and you don't see it as you see them as less of you, that's when you start thinking that you're better than them. That's when you start losing 
people to complacency. So love your enemy doesn't mean you need to have a circle jerk with Terry Taliban. Mm-hmm. It just means that you understand that it's a, they're human beings and that they've got whatever they're doing because no one ever thinks they're the bad guy. Whatever they're doing is for a reason. You might not be able to understand it, but there's a reason behind it. And, you know, if you can come up with an idea, they can come up with a better one. And the, you can come up with a better one than that, and they're going to come up with a better one. You know, so love your enemy doesn't need to mean, you know, touch each other. Mm-hmm. It, it just <laughs> needs to mean accept that this is a human being just like you with all the potential of you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, loving your enemy, d- again, doesn't mean that justice shouldn't happen or even forgiving your enemy doesn't mean that justice shouldn't be served. It's about understanding that they are human. And, and like you said, you, if you had been born, you know, like, you know, taking the Taliban, for example, if I had been born in some obscure mountain pass and, you know, in, in Afghanistan, I would have probably been a Taliban fighter, almost 99% sure I would have been a Taliban fighter, you know? Yeah, and so it's like, absolutely. now that doesn't mean that we have to not hunt them down and stop them from doing evil things, right? Like the ISIS guys, it's like, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to hunt you down and I'm going to kill you, period. There is no, there is no mercy. I'm there. There's a difference between like mercy and forgiveness. Forgiveness means like, Hey man, I get it. You're a human. You messed up, but justice also requires that you need to die. And, but at yeah. the same point, I'm not going to torture you as, as, as soon as you're done. Like I'm not, I have no interest in torturing you. I have no interest in abusing you. I have no interest in any of that. Um, I might do a little, you know, tactical questioning on the spot <laughs> as soon as you get captured. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's like, I'm, I'm not here to abuse you. I'm here to save people's lives. I'm not here because I hate you. I'm here because I love the the people that you're trying to hurt and I'm here to stop you. And also when you when you dehumanize your enemy, you're not only um you know making yourself more prone to, you know, committing war crimes for for example, but you also are preventing yourself from having the chance of understanding where they're coming from and stopping that from happening in the future. So if you're just like, oh, these guys are a bunch of savage animals, what a bunch of scumbags. Mm -hmm. The reason people say that is because basically what you're saying psychologically is I would never do that. I'm a human. I have a soul. I would never join ISIS, right? That's all you're doing. But the reality is like, no, 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 no. They're human too. They have a mother. They have a daughter. They think that they're doing the right thing because they were just, they're just doing what they were told. And honestly, when it comes to, you know, ISIS or the Taliban, um, and, and other groups that I fought, honestly, I just on a man, I, I don't, how do, how do I say this? Um, I basically, I have like, I have a respect for them in, in a way. It's like, dude, I, I have watched ISIS guys drive a vehicle out and blow themselves up. Like you, you, you have to respect that. They, they truly, be, I'm not going to do that. You know, they truly believe that they're doing the right thing and they have true dedication. You know, when I was in Mosul, I just saw the carnage and evil and horror of living in that city. And the ISIS guys had it 10 times worse than we did as we were pushing through, clearing them out. They were living in absolute abject hell, like horror, like just disgusting. And they still fought and they still fought to the death. And again, I despise their beliefs. I despise what they do. Um, I'm not going to have mercy on you. I'm going to find you, you know, in, in combat. I'm going to find you. And I'm going to kill you. But I'm also, but I'm not going to hate you. And I'm going to try to understand where are you coming from? Why do you think it's okay to set up a sex trafficking ring, you know, and and have, you know, uh, 
you know, these, these, these sex slaves that, that they were, you know, uh, selling and buying and selling in Mosul. Why do you think that's okay? Why do you think it's okay to actively shoot little girls in the back of the head as they're running away from you trying to get to the, you know, the Iraqi army? Why do you think that's okay? And the reason I want to know why you're thinking that is because I want to know how to prevent it. How do I look at things in my own society and internationally, how do I look at things and go, oh, okay, I see the thought process here. Yeah, that ends with little girls getting killed. Yeah, and I, I, I'm going to bring us back onto the track where you were in, in, in a minute where we we're talking about the schools and stuff. We will come back to that, but I think you bring up a very good point. The reason that I think a lot of people are justifiably alarmed by what's going on in the world at the moment is because it's not about 2020, a lot of this stuff. Like, for instance, ISIS... ISIS didn't spring up out of nowhere. ISIS sprang up out of thousands of years. All these, like, one conversation here, one conversation there, one one, one religious scholar's interpretation here. These things take a long time to build. And when you see people, for instance, willingly, willing to fight in the street because they see people, so like in America right now, people are willing to fight in the street because they see someone who they think endangers a way of life. That's a big one. It's a way of a way of life, or you're in you're endangering my family. You can see right now how quickly people's um, people people's mindsets are changed by what they're told on the news. You know, by what they by what they're fed. But like, if you tune into Fox, Fox are feeding you a news narrative. You tune into CNN, they're feeding you a news narrative. And you can like, if you can see. If you have if you have fear, which a lot of people do around the world, we're very lucky to live in America and the UK where we grow up without really necessarily most people. I know there's obviously like you talk about the ghettos, but most of us don't live in fear day to day. A lot of the world does. And when come, someone comes in and offers you a solution to that fear, and not only they say we're the ones that get you out of it, but these are the people that put you into it. If you are a lad or a girl who cares about your family and they say that, hey, if you run... If you run with this, um, if you run with this idea, and you go and fight this war, and not only will you be rewarded, but your entire family will be. You're almost an asshole as that kid if you don't go and join up. Because if someone, if if someone offered, like any of our listeners right now, mm-hmm. if someone said to you, and from your childhood, this is what you all believed, hey. Your family, I know life is tough right now, but guess what? There's a fucking afterlife and all your family can go to it if you just do this. You're going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 the the human nature is hu- human nature is to sort of I guess stay in one place and to not think outside the box mm. and to not question things because it's easier. It's easier to just go, okay, yep, I did, this is yep, this is what I listen to and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to that's that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. And but the reality is it's like man, we know nothing. We are all, you know, incredibly incredibly dumb and I want to and one of the great things I love about podcasts is, you know, it gives you the opportunity to have conversations and to listen and spend 45 minutes to an hour to 3 hours listening to new ideas and it's an open-minded open dialogue and you know you know you were talking earlier uh, a second ago about how different groups sort of get pitted against one another well you want to know what happens most of the time is uh, people who are fighting each other have never actually spoken to each other you know with, with these different armies or you know different terrorist groups it's like you know I, I've never spoken, you know, to an ISIS fighter, you know, before somebody goes and joins ISIS, they should be like, Hey man, I've got some issues here. All right. Muslims are being killed in, you know, occupied countries, you know, around the world. You know, we need to talk about this, that, that bugs me. And then it's like, well, no, 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 here's, here's another way to look at it. And we don't hate you. 
we're trying to stop terrorism or, you know, or what, whatever it might be, but they never have the conversation. So then they go and join ISIS. And the same thing absolutely happens in society right now and is happening. As you said, you know, Fox News is going to give you the conservative point of view. CNN is going to give you the liberal point of view. And if you never meet in the middle, if you never actually sort of look across the firing line and you talk to the other person, they're like, hey, you know, like, for example, you know, if you're a conservative or if you're a liberal, it's like you talk to the other person and they're like, hey, I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to protect my family. I'm just trying to protect my way of life. And you're going like, oh, you love your family, too. Well, that's what I'm trying to do as well. And it's like, oh, we, we have the same idea. We're we're angry. We are so emotional and passionate about our, you know, political beliefs and stuff because we love our families, because we care about our families, and because we want to have a better life, right? So instead of hating one another, okay, let's sit down and talk. Let's sit down and talk and find about find out. Okay, well, what is the best way for for your kids and my kids to have a better life? What is a way for you to succeed and for me to succeed? Let's have that conversation instead of you know, just sitting in our trenches, taking pot shots at each other constantly, you know, but that's, that's not human nature, human nature. It's much, it's intellectually lazy and it's much easier to just sort of sit on the couch and be like, Oh, there's dumb liberals or all those, those darn conservatives, you know, <laughs> that's easy to do. It's harder to actually sit down with someone and be like, listen, dude, I don't understand where the heck you're coming from, but let's talk about it. All right, guys, we'll be back to the podcast in one second. I just want to say a huge thank you to the Royal British Legion because without them, there is no podcast. Guys, they make it happen here. Believe me, um, and I'm, I'm being fully, fully open here. Without the without the Royal British Legion, there wouldn't be a podcast. They make this financially viable. Um, basically, uh, I'd like to be a lot richer than I am, but I'm not. And the Royal British Legion are, um, are covering costs for this podcast and helping it run. Um, we really, really appreciate it. And they do a lot more than that, guys. They offer everything from financial um, from financial assistance and advice to care homes. They've got it all going on. And one of the things that I love about the Royal British Legion so much is that they're not just interested in the day-to-day of our modern lives. They are They are interested in keeping alive the memories of those who have gone before us, which is so fucking important. Um, It's one of the things we want to do here on the podcast, and the Royal British Legion do it so well. They do it through, obviously, the events that they organize, um, not so much of those at the moment, unfortunately, due to COVID, but there is still a lot going on online, and you can find it all at rbl.org.uk or at Royal British Legion. I'll tag them up in everything, guys. Just follow the links in the notes, follow the links on my social media posts, and you'll find them on there. They're doing a lot of work to keep to keep the sacrifices remembered. And, you know, we all say it, don't we? We will remember them and we must remember them. Um, the Royal British Legion are a huge part of that. So please go and give them a follow. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Let's get back to the podcast. And honestly, bro, like one of the problems is once you open the can of worms and you start asking questions, it's very frustrating because you're never going to get all the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, because... Fucking half of what I thought 10 years ago was wrong. I'm probably going to find out in 10 years ago half of what I think now is wrong. Exactly. It can be very, <laughs> very draining, man. Yeah. Like, I, like you, it's, and it makes having, like, relationships hard because I'm like, well, where's this going? What's her motivation? What's this? What's my motivation? Am I doing this because I like this person? Am I doing it because I'm insecure? What's this? What's that? What color underpants am I wearing? It gets fucking nuts. Yeah. So, honestly... I can really see the attraction to not asking questions. Unfortunately, once you've popped, it's like fucking Pringles, mate. Once you pop, you can't stop on the motherfucker. <laughs> um, and like, you know, but like once you're into it, it can be a really, it could be a, like, I'm not surprised at a lot of fucking, because what I was going to say to you, mate, was like when you told me you wanted to write 
you know, you were starting to do fiction and stuff. I was not surprised at all because you, te- it tends to be a question as a, a like as a, the personality type tend to write and things because you're you're looking in your writing you're looking for answers to questions. Mm-hmm. But it's also one of the reasons a lot of fucking creative people blow the fucking brains out, I think. <laughs> because it just gets to the point where you're like, shut up. I don't want to ask questions anymore. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think, I think you know, that, that's absolutely correct. And that's one of the things that I struggle with is overthinking, constantly overthinking, and then going like, what's the point of it all? You know, <laughs> like that's absolutely mm-hmm. like you, 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 you're constantly questioning and there's never really any super solid answers. It's like, okay, what does happen after we die? Well, dude, you can go check out a hundred or... Uh, 150 different religions you're not gonna know you could literally spend your (laughs) entire life just like what is the meaning of life you want to know what you know humans have been around you know like you know for the last ten thousand years of recorded human history um we still haven't found a parchment that says oh here's the meaning to life you know it's Mm. like we don't we don't really know you know so it's like it there there comes a point where you kind of and this is this is what I, i i try to this is an ideal that i try to live up to and that is just in like try to live in the moment more, but then also like, as you said, you know, like things, things change in 10 years from now, I'm going to be a totally different person than who I am now. But this is, this is one of the, uh, the best ways I think to get grounded. And that is to focus on, uh, principles as opposed to focusing on actions. Right. Mm. So, okay. A principle is I'm going to live healthy. Right. Um, an action would be, okay, am I going to do, you know, am I doing, uh, you know, CrossFit? Am I doing Olympic lifts? Am I focusing on cardio? Am I doing hit? You know, like those are very specific things. And you can, you can drive yourself insane watching YouTube videos and reading articles about what's the absolute best possible way to work out. You know, it's like, don't worry about that. Don't focus on that so much. Live yourself, live your life by the principle of, oh, I'm going to just make exercise a part of my life in whatever form that takes. And 10 years from now, I'm going to be doing totally different workouts probably than what I'm doing now because I'm going to be older and slower and my joints are going to hurt more, you know? And, you know, that, that just needs to be the, um, you know, li- live your life by specific principles as opposed to just what's the absolute best action to take right now. It's like, no, 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 just live your life by principles. Those are much easier to keep straight. And if you work out those ahead of time, it saves like a lot of things. So if you if you say, hey, you know what? One of my principles is I'm going to prioritize um, fun in my career over money. You get offered a new job. They offer you more money. It's less fun. You've already made that decision. Yes. You're not going to go back and forth for weeks. You'll be like, well, there we go. I know I, I decided I want more money or I decided I want more fun. Boom. Decision made. Oh my word, dude, that that's so good. Yeah, I remember that that's very true. And I um I remember when I was um sixteen or, or seventeen, um, I, I remember I wrote this thing down and it was um I was like, I want to or I I, I think I, I wrote it down as uh seek the enjoyment of the experience rather than the prestige of the accomplishment. And mm-hmm. what that meant was like, you know, it's very prestigious to say that you stood on top of Mount Everest, right? But I am never, ever going to stand on top of Mount Everest. You want to know why? Because the entire process of walking up that mountain sounds absolutely miserable, right? I have, <laughs> so my point is like, it would be prestigious to stand on top of Everest and be like, oh, I proved it to people, you know, but it's like, I would not enjoy that experience at all. It would be miserable. Yeah. And then you're standing up there for a second and then you're leaving. And I'm like, that's not something I'm going to prioritize because I want to prioritize doing things that I enjoy doing living my life um doing things that absolutely like i'm not gonna make decisions based on money mm. you know i was like oh like i remember i remember actually it was funny when i was uh le- in the process of leaving the military and you know i'm really glad that i did join the military but on my way out you know i was you know having a conversation with a friend of mine 
And, you know, he was basically like, are you sure you want to get out? And I, and I said, like, let me put it this way. I was like, dude, they could offer me literally a million dollars to do another four year stint. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it. And I was like, I have one life to live and four years of my life, you know, being miserable or doing something that I don't want to be doing anymore. That's not worth a million dollars to me, man. It's just not. How many people sign back up for like, I don't know what it is there, but I know people who have signed back up in the UK for like a five grand bonus. Oh, dude. Well, like in, in the, in the uh, SEAL teams, I mean, guys are getting fairly decent bonuses, especially if you're like a medic or something like that. If you have like a very, uh, you know, if you have an extra like level of training with certain specific job sets and whatnot that are needed. Um, I mean, guys are looking at 50 to 80 to a hundred thousand dollar bonuses um, to re up. And, and then, and that's great. I mean, if you're going to stay in like, dude, that's awesome. Yep. I'll, I'll take the extra hundred K, uh, for sure. But, um, but that shouldn't make your, that, that shouldn't define what decision you're going to make. If you're like, I really don't want to be here. I want to go pursue something else in life. I want to focus on my family or I want to get into a different career field, but, ah, oh, but a hundred, hundred grand right now, that sounds really good. You know, that's, I mean, that's, that's no way to live your life. That's going to lead you down the wrong road. I got to be honest. Back then, and when I was in the military, that would have worked on me. Hundred grand, I'm fucking staying. <laughs> but like, I'll be on. But like now, I remember the first writing gig that I backed out of because it was like about a really heavy subject. It involved. Um, it was about. Um, it was. A, I don't want to give away too much because you know I want to respect the guy's privacy. But he'd been in law enforcement. And a lot of the content was about abuse of children and that kind of stuff. Whew. And dude, I was not looking forward to getting out of bed in the morning because. I fucking empathetic person, man. I was, I was just fucking. It was taking over my life because I, I'm not the kind of person that can. My hats off to anyone that works in law enforcement or charity and does work with abused children because I was broken just writing about it after a fucking week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I backed out of it, but it was going to be good money, and um, it was the first, like there was a voice in the back of my head that's kind of like your fucking great grandparents were in fucking coal mines and you can't fucking, you can't write a book because it's making you feel bad. What's wrong with you? <laughs> But then I thought, well, they were in coal mines, so I don't have to be in a coal mine. Exactly. And there's and there's there's no reason to um yeah, yeah, pursue something out of a sense of guilt or out of a sense of um, you know, obligation to to do things to do things like that. But dude, that's actually very smart. I mean, because as you know, like with the writing process, it's such an intimate like you're sitting there not only visualizing something, but you're sitting there. How do I choose the right word that describes this? And then you might rewrite a sentence a couple of times or a paragraph. You know, you might reword things. So you're living, you're you're seeing something five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, even even as you're going through the editing process. And that stuff doesn't leave you. And you know, and I and you know, you know, I've, I've been in a lot of uh, you know combat situations and and just you know, stuff in life, lots of life and death situations. I have absolutely, I've had zero issues with, you know, the, the memories of almost dying. I have multiple uh, uh, examples mm. of that happening, but I don't have a single sort of like bad memory from that. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, that was a thing. It was, it, it was close. What haunts me is those memories of children being involved in combat and seeing what happened to them. And so, yeah, like you absolutely made the right decision, man, to not, if, if, if you're not at a place where, you know, you feel comfortable writing that book about, you know, children being abused and whatnot, man, yeah, that's a good call because you want to know what that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. And yeah. Yeah. And you know what, bro? Like this, there's, there's so many, like all this stuff. I don't care if people believe this Pizzagate stuff or not. I fucking believe it. And, but the point is whether or not you believe it goes on at the highest levels of government and et cetera or not, doesn't matter. The fact is that it does go on. 
And I think it says a lot. When I look on my feed, the people that are being the most outspoken about it are all mm-hmm. veterans. Because we've been to countries where children are treated like fucking, like treat, children are treated like absolute shit. They're fucking raped, beaten, tossed about, like sold like fucking property. And we know what can happen to kids. And that's why we're, I think veterans are, are standing out and talking up for kids more than I'm seeing civilians doing. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, the specifically with veterans there's there's a every every man has an intrinsic desire to uh, i guess we'll just call it to be a hero right we want to rescue the damsel in distress we want to protect our families we want to provide for our families that's why you know a lot of men are driven to get more money and 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 be a hero in in, in different ways right and there's different ways to be a hero um but at the absolute core is the defense of children Right. Because children and for me, it's like especially like uh, little girls. So for me, it's like when I when I see, you know, like a little boy in in, in trouble or if I saw a little girl in trouble, I'm going to be way more like, you know, (laughs) apt to go help the little girl. I'm going to help either. You know what I mean? But like and but that's because children represent innocence. Children represent the future. Children represent um the way that we all should look at the world full of hope, full of love, full of uh, curiosity, living in the moment. You know, remember when you were a kid and, you know, like, oh, school, you know, like, uh, you know, school's got two, you have two more months left in the school year and you're like, oh, two months, that's forever, right? Mm-hmm. Because as a kid, you're living in the moment, you're living day to day. And so time just seems like this long thing. But then when you get older, you're like, oh man, I've only got, you know, six months to just, just doesn't seem as long, right? So my point is, as 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 a protector we want to protect those children and so that is the most um i don't know powerful uh thing visually but also life experience wise just with um you know wanting to protect kids yeah it's just it's just in your dna it's just part of you know who we are dude okay so you said something that i found really interesting everyone wants to be a hero right when they're growing up because that's fucking true nobody's daydreaming about being dweeb who doesn't get the girl? And I'm sorry for anyone out there who's not not a guy thinking about a girl. I know there's a million different variations, and I support them all. But for the point of argument, I'm going to say you guy getting a girl. All right. So there's your fucking caveat. Um, so that everyone everyone else there wants to be the hero, you know, and like usually that involves overcoming obstacles and defeating the bad guys, good versus evil, and then you get the person that loves you, and everyone thinks you're a fucking G. But not everybody goes through with that. Mm-hmm. most people never attempt to become the hero most people never become the hero is there such thing as a hero what is a hero that's another question entirely mm-hmm. but uh, like well, we, and we can come on to that but in the, in the first instance most people fail the test to become quote unquote the hero to begin with because they just never even try to become one mm-hmm. what is it do you think that makes some people pursue that heroic journey and others just kind of been it when they're a kid um yeah i mean that's i mean i think there's there's a certain level of um i i think first and foremost it comes from uh childhood it comes from what you were taught so there's there's a natural sort of um and again just just sort of speaking like just men in general but you know there's a there's a just a certain natural thing that's in our blood and our dna to, to, to be that hero right so that's in us but then as a child you're told different things about being a hero um 
right? So some people say, Hey, don't take risks because you could get hurt or you can't chase your dreams, right? People, people who've, people who've completely failed at, at achieving their goals and dreams in life, they take it out on their kids or they take it out on, or on people, you know, and it might even be like some school teacher who, you know, wished that they were a Harvard law professor, but things didn't work out. So now they're teaching sixth graders. Right. And so then, the, you know, then they have sort of this negative attitude. And so they start telling people, well, you know, well, you, you know, getting into Harvard's really hard. You can't, you can't do that, you know, mm. or, or whatever it might be. Um, so I think, you know, what you're told as a child is, a, is a big thing, but then honestly, it comes down to each individual having, you just have to make a series of decisions. I remember when I was, when I was 14, I remember when I started my, uh, I, I don't know, for lack of a better term, the hero's journey, you know, using, using a literary phrase yeah. when I started, um, it was because I was at a football camp and I, um, I was playing junior varsity football, meaning uh, American football. And, um, at this football camp, you played both ways. You played offense and defense. So you're just getting beat up, right? Well, I was asked to also play at the varsity level because I was, I was fairly decent. It just kind of came naturally. What's is that? What's varsity? What's that mean? Uh, varsity just means like the, the, uh, the, 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 like the 11th and 12th graders, right? So I sort of like, I was playing at the junior high level, but they wanted me to play with the, the kids that are a foot taller than me. Right. Um, okay. so then I had to play both ways, offense and defense with the, uh, you know, with the varsity level. And I got, um, I got hit during, you know, I was running the ball and I got hit and I broke a rib and I was in so much pain. I remember I was like crying cause I was so overwhelmed. Like, Oh my word, I have to go play basically, you know, four of these high intensity, you know, American football games. And I just remember like, I made the decision right then and there. I was like, you know what? I'm going to suck it up. I, you know, I, mm. I, I am not going to let my, you know, I'm not going to go home and tell my father that I didn't suck it up. And I remember I was like, nope, you're not going to cry. Just get back out there and, and fight and do everything that you possibly can. Screw the pain. Just keep going. And every single human being had, and that was when I was 14. And that's what, honestly, that was a fork in the road that I didn't realize was happening. I chose to man up and that put me on a totally different, different trajectory. When I was 14 years old, if I had made the decision to be like, Ooh, well, I'm hurt. I should probably just, you know, see if I can just take things a little bit easier. Dude, I would be in a totally different place right now. So I guess what I'm trying to say is there comes a point where you just have to make that decision to go and, you know, pursue your dreams, have the courage to protect other people. And it's, yeah, it's, it's gonna, it's scary and it's dangerous and it's gonna, it's gonna be painful and it's gonna cost you and you might not make it out alive, you know, in, in like war. Right. But there's, there's a right thing to do and there's a wrong thing to do. It's like, you can do the right thing or you can do the wrong thing. You can live with courage or you can live with fear. And that's just a choice each individual has to make. Yeah. And dude, honestly, like you'd already kind of made that decision as well. You wouldn't be on a fucking football field getting hit. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that's that's like, true. So yeah, <laughs> that's there's, true. there's also that because a lot of people never step onto the football field. But when you were saying that, then you just like literally, I'd forgotten something from my childhood that you just dragged up, which is kind of crazy. And which which is, and it's again, I always think like, how is it that we end up so similar? We're born on different parts of the world, and all of us are in in the infantry or the seals or whatever. We all end up so similar. And I, I had one in rugby where I was picked up in a tackle and dropped on my shoulder, probably about fourteen probably about 14, 15, I think probably 14, and my shoulder separated. Um, and we pushed it back in, and my coach asked me, he was like, there's five minutes left, can you can you play? And I, all right, fuck it, I'll play. Awesome. So I just kept, I played the last five minutes. Soon as I got in the car with my mum, 
I cried my eyes out. <laughs> and it wasn't because of the pain. It was because my mum started making a fuss of me and all of a sudden that kind of... But I played through the last part of the game. And like, if I looked back on that now and I'd come off the field, God, I'd just have so much fucking shame about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it was funny. So my mum the other day was bringing up... She's seen something uh, on a TV show about some mountain lion that had attacked one cyclist and his friend had tried to fight it. His friend had tried to drag it away or something. And my brother had said, my brother's a boxer. My brother had said, like, why didn't he attack the lion? And my mum was like, well, it would kill him. He's like, well, it's killing his friend. And my mum, so my mum asked me when I came into the room, she goes, what would you do if a mountain lion was attacking your friend? I go, attack the mountain lion. Mm-hmm. Like, just instantly. Of course you fucking would do. But it's not how everyone thinks. Absolutely. Some people think, oh, if a mountain lion's attacking my friend, I'll try and pull my friend out of danger. Not. I'll attack the mountain lion. Did you see that kid recently that his sister was getting attacked by a pit bull, I think it was, or a dog? Um, his, his sister was getting... I don't want to I don't want to. Uh, be derogatory towards pit bulls if it wasn't a pit bull. So let's just say his sister was getting attacked by a dog. So this little kid threw himself in the way and he basically got like 90 stitches in his face or something. I, I, saw, I saw a picture of that kid. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't see it. I don't, I don't know if there was a video or not of it, but yeah, I saw the picture of him. Yeah. Dude, so when he got interviewed, they said to him like, well, why did you do that? And he's like, oh, I just thought if someone was going to die, it should be me. Like what a oh, fucking warrior! Oh, dude, that, that gave me goosebumps. Like yes, <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. That's good parenting. That's being, you know, that's um, you know, having good male role models teaching him that man. That's awesome, and that's true. And it's like, yeah, if someone's gonna die. It should be me. Yeah, dude. And and here's here's one of the things. Well, like, uh, it's not a bad thing to to be willing to. There's a difference between wanting to die and being willing to die. Big difference, right? yeah. <laughs> but it's like it's a pretty like because. We're all fucking on our way out, right? So me and Tom, we had we had a guest on Tom Satley, who's a, a Delta Force operator, and we were talking about. Um, so Tom was involved in the Battle of Mogadishu, you know, made famous by Black Hawk Down, mm-hmm. and um, he was. We were talking about, and he was saying that like one of the reasons that America didn't intervene in Rwanda was because they were worried that if they lost soldiers there, it would be bad publicity and stuff. And we were we were basically saying that as a soldier, if you were told, hey, there's hundreds of thousands of people being fucking um, killed in genocide here, are you willing to go and risk your life to stop it? You'd say, yeah. And like Tom said, he was like, and any guy that says no is not a guy I want to fucking soldier alongside. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, that's that's what you're there to do. You're there to protect. You're there to, and 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 it's like, and especially like with the military and just, I guess, and just in general with anything in life, dude, there's risks. There's risks, you know, uh, you know, no risk, no reward, man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when it comes to, yeah, people being attacked, like th- there comes a point where it's like, you want to know what? If I die, I die, you know? And, and like the day that, you know, the day that I was shot, you know, that was like, that was my attitude. It was like, all right, if I die, I die. And it's like, I'm not going to sit and watch this little girl, you know, um, you know, just die. Cause I, don't, I already watched three kids die um, earlier today. Uh, because we couldn't get to them fast enough where we had to coordinate this, you know, this mission. But, um, and then there's one little girl left and it's like, all right, dude, we're going to go. Like, we're going to go. I don't care if I die. I would rather die next to her than go home, you know, and be like, oh yeah, I let that little girl die and didn't try anything. It's like her life honestly is worth more than mine. As, as an individual, people have to realize, you know, like, what would you do for your kids? What would you do for, for, for someone else's kids? It's like, you want like 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 that little boy throwing himself in front of the pit bull to to protect his sister or the the dog to protect his sister. Um, man, like he's absolutely correct. It's like my sister's life is worth more than mine. I love her more than I love m- myself, and that's man, that's that's how you have courage when you love somebody else 
more than you love yourself. And I think, dude, what people need to do, and we all need to do this, is we need to differentiate the death, your physical death, from the death of your soul. Ooh, that's good. So if you hadn't have done that, for, if you hadn't, yeah, don't steal them. Writing that down. <laughs> so if you had, if the, this is literally just something that I came up with, I was talking to somebody the other day. Um, um, it was a, actually, it was, it was, I was talking to someone on Instagram and they were like, oh, you're so brave for going to do what you did. And I said, actually, I disagree. I don't think I am brave because to not go and be a soldier would have been like, killing my soul absolutely it was easier for me to go and risk my physical self than it was to kill my soul mm-hmm. and like for you with that girl if you hadn't done that you you okay your physical body would be alive but your soul would have died absolutely absolutely and if you know there's there's another statement out there i'm going to butcher it but it's like if you don't have a if you haven't found something you'd die for you're not you're not fit to live or something like that or you, you mm-hmm. haven't started living until you found something that you're willing to die for um yeah i i, I couldn't agree more um yeah it's just like everything else that we were talking about, you know, like this, it's things aren't black and white and that's definitely the same for life. Didn't know just cause you're living doesn't mean you're living. And we look at that all the time, but it's, you know, we have to make, so a decision for instance might be, am I going to go out and I'm going to have a party with my friends? You know, that might affect your physical, well, you know, it might affect the physical body, but it might be really beneficial to the, to the kind of the spiritual side of things. So yeah, you need to socialize blow off some steam, have some fun with your friends, you know, but not every single night, you know, have that once a week or once every other week or whatever, whatever works for you. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't help but smile, dude, because the world is such a fucking small place, right? And so I'm listening to your story and you're like, you know, you have a down moment in your life and you go to a bar and you're like, oh, Pacific Beach in San Diego. And I was like, oh, I know Pacific Beach in San Diego. And you're like, oh, I went into PB Shore Club. I'm like, no way. First bar I went to in San Diego. So first. Ah, that's funny. Like the first bar <laughs> I ever went to in San Diego. And I mean, uh, dude, I've been I've been there a lot since. Um, I, I went, We don't really go anywhere. I think it was my in my 20s, late 20s. I went to PB a lot. I don't really go there. I don't really go there since. We we can, we'll we'll talk sometime in person about some of the things that happen in PB, but um, <laughs> but it was just it was nuts for me that I'm thinking like wow like I'm listening to from story on audiobook which you narrate really well by the way oh thanks and um and I'm like this is nuts that he's going through these same things that I've been through p- possibly even sitting on the same stool in the bar. Like it's a fucking small world, bro. Yeah, it is, and 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 the the human experience is so is so much more similar um, in so many different ways. Like we all struggle with the same, you know, five or six things over and over and over again. Whether you're mm-hmm. a billionaire or whether you're a uh, um, you know uh, s- someone who's 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 struggling to to get by, you know, uh, we all have the same struggles. We all we all want to be loved. We all want to grow. We all want to have meaning. We all want to you know be a hero. Uh, we all want to have uh, a, a strong family. And those are all things that, you know, money can't buy. So the human experience is, yeah, it's a lot more similar uh, than it is different. You know what? The be a hero thing as well is like, because I was thinking like, I mean, I was like, mm, do I agree with him or not on this one? And I'm, I, I've come around to thinking I do because one of the things we've seen in lockdown and stuff is people have been, one of the reasons people are kind of like so shouty shouty with each other is, You've been told, oh, if you sit on your sofa, you're a hero. You're not overburdening the NHS. You're being a hero <laughs> if you sit down. And it's like people like that because we all want to be a hero with the minimum amount of work. Oh, right, So if you, right. t- if you tell someone like, hey, you can be a hero by exercising every day, eating a good diet and all that stuff, and then you're going to be less likely to be a burden on 
the um, on, on medical systems because you're going to keep yourself in good shape and people that are in good shape do not have problems with COVID as likely as you do if you're obese. If you say that to someone, they'll be like, oh, fuck it, being a hero sounds like too much work. <laughs> if you're like... If you say to them, just sit on your sofa and you'll be a hero, people are like, oh, I'm a hero. I'm just sitting here saving lives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it, But then more so than that, anyone that then isn't doing it, so then it's like, oh, I can be a hero. Like, if, if I see someone that's not wearing a mask and I, I'm a, I can scream at them and I'll be a, a hero. Now, I, I don't mind which side of the mask debate people are on. I really don't give a fuck, to be honest. But, the, but what I'm, I'm just saying is, we give people very easy ways to be a hero and they'll snap them up. Whereas the reality is, again, we can argue, you know, debate all day about what a hero is, but a hero is not someone who sits on his fucking sofa. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> That's true. There's a, there's a bunch of signs here in, uh, in, 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 in the U S and so we have, we have a store that's called a uh, Walgreens. It's just a drug store, you know, it's like a pharmacy type corner store. Um, but yeah, they have, they have signs like heroes work here. Like, Oh, you're sacrificing so much to work the, you know, to like work the cash register at Walgreens. It's like, I'm sorry, you're not a hero. Yeah. You're yeah. probably a great person. Yeah, exactly. Good for you for being exactly. there. And we appreciate you being there. We, we're lowering the bar on hero too much. Like a, a hero <laughs> to like, there's, there's very few, I'm not a fucking hero. I'll tell you that right now. There's very few, I'll get very uncomfortable if people say that because I'm like, well, I know, I know that's not true. Cause exactly. you know, they're like, oh, you were a hero going to fight. No, I kind of went to fight because I just fancied a bit of adventure actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if that's, that's the, that's the truth of it. And most of us to say the same. And you know, I, it's again with a hero thing, if we let, let's be honest about this. If we're saying, well, this guy's a hero because he charged out into machine gun fire to rescue his friend. Well, then shouldn't we extend the same and say that this ISIS fighter that ran out into fire to drag his friend back is a hero? Oh, right. Oh, yeah. See, see, and that's, but, but oh, he can't be a hero because he's the bad guy. And, mm. um, but it's like, but that's what I'm saying. Like what I was saying earlier, human experiences is so similar. That ISIS fighter who runs out to grab his buddy who's just been shot, um, he loves his friend. He thinks he's doing the right thing. And he has to overcome the fear of death and risk his life to save his friend for sure um yeah it's it, it and it's the same human experience whether you're an isis fighter or whether you're a navy seal like it it it's the same human experience um but the ideas and the principles and the ways that those ideas and principles then affect humanity and affect you know cultures and societies and, and general levels of happiness and safety you have to fight over it un unfortunately at some point like because there does come a point though where they're wrong. They're wrong. There is no like, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to sit down with an ISIS fighter and be like, all right, well, let, let me tell me, tell me where you're coming from. And like, you know, you have a really good point there. I'm never going to do that. Cause it's like, I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say so I can understand like what kind of twisted thoughts are going on in your head. But at the end of the day, it's like, no dude, you're wrong. Period. You're wrong. <laughs> and, and you're going to die. You're going to die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what, mate? I'll, and I, I'll fucking say, and, and I defy anyone that served in an infantry unit to say different. There are guys that I served with I'm not saying they're my friends, but there are guys in the units that I served with who, if you told them they could throw people off the top of buildings, they would have fucking done it. Oh, right. If you told them they could have shot the local women and kids, they would have fucking done it. Oh, dude. I, yeah. I remember there was a man, there was, there was a guy I, I was with, or I, I served with in the, in the teams. And I was like, um, I, I remember I just had the thought, I was like, dude, if you know, I, cause he, he didn't do anything, he didn't do anything bad, but it was like his mindset and the stuff that he was saying. And I was like dude, you know, I joined the military to, to, to fight people like you, mm -hmm. 
you are diabolical, man. Like you are, you are evil. Like you, you are only here because you want to, uh, you know, basically rape and murder and pillage. And if, if you're gonna, you know, it, it's better for him to, you know, be like in the SEAL teams, you know, so there's some discipline and like, that, that's not going to be allowed to happen. Um, and that was sort of, I guess, sociopath or psychopathic guy can then have, I guess, a constructive way to use that sort of killer instinct. Um, that's, that's a good thing. And that's, that's a good thing for him to be in that place. I mean, um, but because he can be controlled by the people around him, but if you aren't, if you don't have that culture, if you know it, man, and, and as you know, it's like when, when you're out there and it's just you and the boys, you know, I mean, things can get medieval really, really quick. You know, um, the bullets start flying, people are dying, it's life and death. It's like, all right, things get, yeah, things get medieval, you know, uh, (laughs) or can get medieval at the drop of a hat. Again, if you don't live by principle, if you're not operating by principle. And what we've seen in, um, you know, very recently, and I, you know, we don't need to comment on specific cases, but let's just say that when it came out that it looked very likely that some Americans had committed atrocities, the kind of attitude of the public was there's no way this can happen all of our guys are heroes and let's just think about that Mm -hmm. if you have a few hundred thousand people serving the country at the same time it is insane to actually be more than that wasn't it what's how many people serving at one time in america i have absolutely no idea millions (laughs) but let's just say let's just say it's a few hundred thousand which is at least a few hundred thousand it would be insane to think that there is not a handful of people in there who are not bad people, who are just looking to kill people. Like, that would just be so stupid to think that. Right. You, you know, but it's like, it's almost like this thing of you'll you be like, ju- to just to just bring up the idea and say, well, maybe some of our soldiers have deliberately killed civilians. Whoa, do you hate this country? No, I don't hate this country. I love this country, which is why we need to have high standards. Yeah, there, there's, there's just a th- this thing where it's like, yeah, you have to fight, but you also have to, like, not destroy the principles of the society that you're trying to protect by going against those principles, you know, because then you just become, <laughs> you become the, you become the villain in a way. And, and yeah, and kind of referring to, I think we're both probably thinking about the same uh, situation and we won't, you know, go into details on it, but it's like, I, with that situation, like I know both sides of the story. Like I know the, like, you know, one of the individuals like who was, you know, being charged with stuff. And I know the guys who were in, involved in charging and, and, you know, and it's like, I, I was actually in, you know, what's funny is when a lot of that stuff happened, like I was there in close proximity to, to some of those things. Um, but you know, it's, it's interesting because people that go like, yeah, the, either your instinct is, Oh, he's hundred percent guilty. He, he, he's murdering mm-hmm. children or it's, you know, he, there's absolutely no way it could happen. It's, it's one side or the other. And the, and the reality is that the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. The truth is like, you know, uh, yeah, probably some bad stuff happened and you know, uh, but that's reality and people don't, I guess, yeah, I guess people don't understand, uh, don't understand that because it's, it is, and it is hard to understand too, especially with like the modern world and modern warfare. Um, you know, there's so many cameras, there's, it's so easy to, to put something up online. It's so easy to, you know, make something political. Um, but like war and like what actually happens in the, or I wouldn't say war, but I'll say battle, like the actual act of combat the act of you are trying to kill me i'm trying to kill you that act is almost like a um for lack of a better term i would call it like a sacred act it's it's something that nobody else should be able to talk like you you do if you weren't there you don't get to you don't get to have a say in what happened you know you don't get to give your opinion 
especially if you've especially if you've never been in in, in a similar situation, um, because it's like it's so animalistic and life or death and split second and you know uh, there's fear and there's emotions and all this other stuff that you can't judge somebody um, based on like split second decisions that happen. Now that's different than, you know, somebody who's actively, you know, targeting like little girls or something and shooting them in the face. Obviously that person's a psychopath, but, um, yeah, I I think society society is way too interested in trying to get involved in like the battlefield. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, like you, you don't even, you don't even like work out like, you know, like you don't even eat healthy. So don't talk to me about, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the finer, the finer points of, of some decision that was made on a, on a combat mission on the other side of the world. Yeah, dude, we had uh, my friend Brian Wood, um, MC on the podcast and, um, you know, Brian was hounded through the courts for, for years, but basically, uh, the long story is he cleared, they came into contact, he cleared, um, some enemy from positions and then, um, there was totally spurious claims that they, they'd been, these guys had been farmers and, you know, when when he was getting grilled in in court, he had no real help from the army. And I couldn't help but thinking if that like they should have just taken that jury, put them in the back of the armored vehicle and taken them on a training area, had some explosions gone off, had them run around, had them and then asked them because, you know, they're asking him to recount how many people do you see here? How many people do you see there? What are the distances? Yeah. And if they did just put them in the back of that vehicle for 20 minutes on a training area and ran them through an exercise and then asked them, and then they would have gone, oh, oh yeah, I see it's impossible not to know. Instead of being like, oh, well, what he says isn't matching up with what he says. Oh, right, right. If any of you um, remember a, a contact in exactly the same way or a firefighter or whatever you guys, I don't know what you guys call them. Um, but if you remember it in the same way, that's just coincidence. Cause you're all seeing, you've all got like, you're seeing a different thing that what, what, what you think might've been an enemy soldier might've just been a bit of dirt that went in your eye, you know, like. Absolutely. If, if everybody's story matches up perfectly, then I know that everybody's lying. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, okay, you guys, you guys practice, you know, like what you were going to say to the, to the jury, like there's going to be, there's going to be, um, discrepancies, you know, and even just, you know, my own personal experience, you know, like the, the day that I got hit, um, I honestly, like after I got hit, I wasn't really sure what had happened. I wasn't really sure where I was standing in relation to the other guys on the, on the team. I wasn't sure if I had fallen down or if my, I wasn't sure. Like I, I didn't know there was like, it was like a blank part in my head. I, I just remembered like sort of like screenshots almost of just these images of like what happened after I got hit. Um, and then I remember I actually went and I wrote down in my journal you know, like that, that evening I, I wrote down like, okay, here, this mission happened today. I was here and I got hit and, you know, such and such happened. Um, well then later, like a couple of days later, um, a video popped up, somebody had recorded the whole thing. And so I was able to actually go back and watch in 4k high definition the moment I got hit. And I was like, oh, that's not at all how I remember it. And, <laughs> so um, so it's like, and like, that was a very important pivotal moment. And yeah. I, I didn't even know what had happened, you know, 12 hours later, as I was writing in my journal, I was like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny dude. Cause, um, we've had a few, we've had a few guests on it have been shot. We've had a few on it lost limbs. Um, uh, actually, you know, so we've got you that got shot. You can also see our guest Paul the Gelder being eaten by a bull shark. There's video of that. Jeez. Um, it's funny in this day and age that we've got where people could be like, oh, look, here's me getting shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know <laughs> the first, the first guest we had on the podcast was my friend Alex, um, who got shot through the neck when we were in Afghanistan and guys had footage of it, but the OC made them delete it. Oh, and I know that's always, that's always really pissed him off because he wants that footage. Yeah. So are, are you, were you glad when you found out that you had that, 
that, that video of it? Yeah, absolutely. I was I was absolutely glad to go back and watch it. Um, cause, yeah, because it answered a lot of questions that I had, and I was able to. I've watched it, you know, a hundred times, and I was like, okay, I was here, I was going there. I was like, I remember having this thought. So where was I when I was having that thought? You know, and I was able to, yeah, watch that. But what was weird about it was, you know, that video of me getting hit, and you know, part of the part of the rescue mission. You know, one of the guys running out and grabbing a, the little girl while we were giving covering fire. You know, all that stuff went viral, and so. Yeah. I mean, m- literally at this point, probably 100 million to 250 million people easily um, have seen the video of me getting shot and seen the video of the rescue mission and things like that, which, you know, as it was happening, I had no idea it was being recorded. Like, I had no idea. It was just like, all right, here we are, probably probably going to die today. You know, we were cracking jokes like that before we went out there because we were kind of like, eh, you know, like, eh, that's sick. Yeah, we we're probably <laughs> going to die. Like, just because where we were going and what we were doing was so absurdly insane. Um, and I don't even know if I would have the courage to do it again. Sure you would, mate. Like, I don't know. You know, yeah, I would, I, I, I hope that I would, but you know, it's, man, it was, it was, uh, (laughs) terrifying, but, um, but it was, but it's interesting to go back and watch that. And, but more importantly, it's like having hundreds of millions of people, um, basically being able to have a, a 4k high definition view of one of the worst days of my life, of one of the most pivotal, pivotal experiences that I think about a hundred times a day. Cause it's just, just burned into my brain, you know, mm. and the horror and the terror of it all. And, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, I, I kind of have mixed feelings about people being able to people, people, the public being able to see it. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, I, I can't, I'm not gonna let myself get mad about it, but, um, you know, cause it's, it's just a very like intimate, very like personal thing. But like, yeah, mate, it's, it's weird because I saw the video and obviously I was like, you know, I saw the video and I'm like, Oh, that's, that's bad. That's good. For, good for them. You know, like, the, you mm-hmm. know, before, what probably a couple of years ago now is it yeah um you know i'm like yeah that's fucking badass good for them um and like you know what's weird is like i've seen as we all have now i'm sure most listeners have i've seen so many people die on camera that it's also it's almost become like something that's not like a, a thing anymore and it just and i because i've always thought like i've always had a problem with people laughing and like enjoying watching people get killed on camera. I've always had an issue with that. Yeah. Because that was somebody's son. You know, he might have been a bad cunt in the end, but, you know, it was somebody's son. Someone cared about that person. I've always thought, I'm a bit old school in this thing that I believe in honor. Mm-hmm. And um, there's something about executions and stuff that like, the thing is, mate, I'm all up for a fair fight or not and even an unfair fight but what i'm not not on i'm not i'm not on board with this killing prisoners business yeah or enjoying that like you know it's actually it's actually funny i've actually never watched um any of like the isis you know beheading videos or any of that stuff i you know i've only seen like you know little snippets that are all blurred out like you know on on a documentary or something like that mm-hmm. and i intentionally don't look at it um i remember you know i've been in you know uh you know, obviously overseas in combat zones and guys are like, Oh, there's a dead body over here. And I'm like, all right, I, I'm not going to look at it. Like, I don't want, I'm not going to go look at it. Cause it's like, you want to know what, dude, I already have a thousand dead bodies in my, in my brain. You know, <laughs> it's like, I don't want to go look at another rotting corpse. Like, like, you know, it's, it's so, it's so messed up and it's so real. And I, that's interesting that you say that, you know, because I, I feel, I feel the same way when people are like, Oh yeah. Like, Oh, are they laughing and stuff's blown up, you know? And you're like, dude, like, do you have any, you know, like, do you, do you have any idea what it sounds like when somebody's getting burned alive? Like, do you have any idea what that sounds like? Do you have any idea what it's like when, when somebody's like screaming and dying? Do you, you have any idea what it's like to like listen to somebody choke to death? Do you have any idea what it's like to 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 see that stuff and the terror and the horror and what it smells like and the fear of knowing that any 
any second it's going to, it could happen to you too. You know, like it's, it's not a fun adventurous thing. And I, and I think that, um, I think a lot of guys feel that way if they've actually experienced it, you know, we have, you know, movies are hyper realistic now. And, you know, obviously everybody's seen black Hawk down and that was, that was, a, that was a big reason for me joining the military. Um, but it's like, we, we, people watch that, but it's like, no, you don't understand. Like, dude, that's like the, or, or the, the, the video of, of me getting hit in that rescue mission. Everybody's looking at it from the angle, from the, from the angle where you can't see ISIS. But it's like my point of view from that day was basically looking down the barrel of a gun and my hands shaking out of terror, abject terror and tripping over the bodies of, you know, uh, rotting children who were, you know, executed the day before, you know, um, and whose corpses are bloating and, you know, like the most horrible, horrific stuff you can imagine. That's what was going, that was what I was dealing with. I was dealing with, oh my goodness, I just got shot. I'm going to get shot again. You know, that's, that's what I, that's what I was experiencing. And so then, yeah, when people like watch the video, the response is like, oh, dang, like they're, you know, oh, that's cool. You know, and, and I get it. I don't get mad at people, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. Like I don't get mad at people for people to have that reaction or to see stuff, but it's like, no, dude, I'm not a hero. Um, no, dude, it's not cool. And, you know, we glorify war uh, too much, I think in society now. And it's like, dude, it's not a cool thing. It, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing cool about, about war. It's a bunch of people running around slaughtering each other. And there is a, there is a triumph. There is an enjoyment when you are winning, you know, when you're winning the gunfight, you know, I've, I've been in situations where it's like, oh, we're just crushing these guys yeah. and it's awesome. And that is fun. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not going to sit and pretend like that's not fun. It is. It's great. Like, you're like, oh yeah, we're like dropping these dudes like flies. But when the, when the, when the tide turns, when like, oh no, we're surrounded. Oh no. Like there's a very decent chance we're all going to die. Um, oh no. Somebody just got hurt. Oh my goodness. That's my buddy on the ground screaming. Um, you know, oh my goodness, there's kids getting shot right in front of me. All that stuff. That's, that's what real war is. That's what the majority of actual real war is. And you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a thing to glorify, yeah, I, I agree with you that my 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 opinion on, on I guess like war and videos and of stuff like that. Like I I don't watch that stuff because it's like I, um, I don't I just don't want to see it. Like I don't I don't I don't need to see that. Well, yeah, I I never watch the execution stuff because, like I said, I just have an, a big issue with that. There's a part of me that really kind of like I like watching the combat stuff because it's like. I'm a professional in what I did. Mm-hmm. And like, I've always been interested in war and I always will be. And I'm kind of watching it like you're just watching it as you watch a football game and you're breaking down tape and you want to know and you know, you're trying to figure out like, oh, what did they do wrong here? Or like, I see, you know, you see someone in Syria where some guy's hanging out, he's washing in the middle of a city and then he gets fucking hit with a sniper. I'm thinking, well, that wasn't a good idea, dude. Like, don't hang out, you're washing. Oh, right, right. I like that. <laughs> and that, you know, the, but those things are burnt into your ma- in mind. Like, so, yeah. you know, like I was, I always remembered in Afghanistan and stuff. I'm like, I'm picking shit up because I could can kill you. And I, I learned that by watching stuff. Oh, dude. Yeah. I wouldn't touch anything. Yeah. I got, some guys are just like, go pick stuff up. I'm like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, I'm not picking up anything. Exactly. <laughs> Cause I've read a lot of books about Vietnam and the second world war, but people are getting killed doing that. So I don't fucking picking nothing up. <laughs> uh, well, unless I'm tired, in which case I'll just fucking kick everything over uh, because you just stop caring at that point. But yeah, dude, we're like, cause there's definitely a part of me who's like, fuck, I'd love to be able to get back into a firefight and be on the machine gun and just oh, fucking sure. mow yeah, down hordes of the enemy. That'd be awesome. But th- and that exists and probably will always will exist. But then, but then you think like, well, would I want to get blown up again? 
would I want to lose a guy again? Would I want to? Would I want to lose one of my best mates? Because like, as much as every life we lost in Iraq and Afghanistan was a tragedy, most of my mates came home. Now that's not always been the case in war. It's usually not the case in war. Like I'm very lucky that that was the case. That's not the norm in war. Mm-hmm. So I don't pretend to know everything about. I know about what I went through on deployments, but I, I've never, I've never been through what I would consider a war. War, like you know, when half of you aren't coming back. You know, that's you know, that's that's actually interesting too, because you know, when I was when I was in the SEAL teams, you know, we and we went and fought in Afghanistan. Um, honestly, like it was, it was fun. It was like, and and and. And, and I'm glad you said that because I kind of because uh, I've I've kind of had that thought and I I, I would never want to be like oh dude you've never really been to war you know I would never say that to somebody um, but like part of me is kind of like no dude you know with with certain guys that I've that I've met and spoken and to and you know they're like um, yeah man we're you know going to war and it was like dude yeah like nobody on your platoon got hurt you know um, you had you know aircraft and AC 130s and Apache gunships you know, above, above you at all times, you've got body armor and machine guns and sniper rifles. And like, you have all of this stuff and it's like, of course you're going to win the war. And of course it's kind of fun, but you don't really, you like, you didn't actually really experience the slaughter of like, like you've been to, you've been to like battle, I guess, kind of, but it's like, you haven't really been in a situation where it's like, Hey, you're, you know, you're, I guess, world war two style, uh, being in combat. And, and, and that was, and that was something that I experienced as well, because when I was in Afghanistan, it was like, all right, I, I, I came back and was like, oh, I'm a veteran. I've been to war, you know, and, and there were some there was definitely some gnarly stuff in there. We definitely like earned our stripes for sure. Don't get me wrong. But then when I went to Mosul and fought in the Battle of Mosul, you know, which was the, you know, the deadliest urban battle the world has seen since World War Two. That's why my book is called City of Death. Um, dude, I mean, it was it was an entirely different experience. It was hey, today you know, we're in a group of 20 or 30 guys, you know, we're working with it directly with the Iraqi army. It was like today, somebody is going to die. And at least two or three people are going to get shot minimum every single day. Like it, just with our little group here, like, you know, that one of the guys that you're, that you're talking to right now is going to be dead by the end of the day. And it was like that every single day for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then I, and then, you know, not to mention all the civilian population that was being shot and, and murdered and, you know, collateral damage and all that. And that, that was real war. It was like, no, you're coming across a dozen dead people minimum every single day, every day. And it was a totally different experience. Um, and also you don't have the air support. You don't have all of the, um, assets and everything. It's, Hey, you got to go root these guys out. You know, you got to go building to building room to room and people are going to die today period. And it was a very different mindset. So yeah, that was like, oh, this is, I was like, oh, this is what war really, really means. And I was like, no, this is, this is, this is a terrible, terrible thing, man. It's uh, yeah, it's awful. Guys, thank you for listening today. Ephraim, thanks so much for coming on, mate. I really enjoyed that. And I cannot wait to have you back on the podcast. We got so much more, uh, so much more stuff to talk about. Um, I know you guys will have enjoyed today's podcast. So please go and follow Ephraim on social media, pick up his book, City of Death, um, there's so much to go into on there. Um, I think the audio book is like 10 hours long or something. There's so many, um, so many like fascinating stories in there. Um, so just head over to Audible. The link is in the um, is in the show notes. Just click on that and it'll go straight through. Um, while I've got your ears, guys, if you'd like to support the podcast, um, if you want to head over to vsomstore.com, also linked in the show notes, you can pick up some Ali merch. I am wearing one such 
item right now. I have the, uh, I got the black t-shirt with the green MTP logo on there. Personally, I think it looks Ali. I think it looks Essence. And I think you should go and get one. Uh, I'll start putting more pictures of, the, of this kind of stuff up on the uh, social media at Veteran State of Mind. Um, I want to say thank you as well to the people that have been picking up the um, picking up the bits of kit off the um, off the store because it does help us to keep the podcast running and the Royal British Legion really help us with that. Um, but it is quite time consuming doing this, so every little helps. Um, I really appreciate you guys doing that. We have another Navy SEAL on the podcast next week. So after having none, none on, we've got two on the bounce. Uh, he's also an author. Uh, you guys probably know him. His name is Jack Carr. He is a best-selling author and uh, just all-round top bloke. Um, and we've got him on next week on Monday. So look forward to seeing you then. Catch you next time. Love you. Bye. Yeah. Listen. Shout out teaser. You told me not to worry and you wouldn't break my heart You told me you were sorry and yeah, my whole world fell apart You said it's not my fault and yeah I've never done you wrong I'm grinding to a halt now I can see you're moving on I promised I'd get better and I told you things would change You keep me to the gutter yeah I'll never be the same I've gotta let you go now live your life and spread your wings And yeah you put on quite a show and pulled the puppet strings And are you sure that you don't want me? Remember all the pain or maybe you should thank me It's your loss and my gain I'm leaving now forever I won't hang my head Shame, but yeah, you've taken me for granted And you should feel ashamed You sold a dream to all of us A dream that we'd all die for A reason for us all to live And something we could fight for I might just help a man up to his feet Or hold a new one But no matter what I do My hands remembering my rifle, yeah Life's hard, I know that Still wouldn't change shit I wouldn't go back, yeah I wouldn't go back Feelings I hold back Memories fade, yeah They go fast, yeah They go fast Good times to come and go Survive the highs and lows Just take a step by step I guess, yeah, I suppose Good times to come and go Survive the highs and lows Just take a step by step I guess, yeah, I suppose